on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I knew that I had something there, but I just had to tease out the part that was the value and get rid of the rest. And that's where we're at today. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Benjamin Brayfield on the King stage. My brother, how you doing? Hey, Chaz. I'm very well. Thank you for having me. How are you? Dude, I'm well. Just coming off of, I was doing some traveling last week. I got to come home for the weekend with my kiddos. And so I'm coming off of a very filled weekend. So happy to have you here. Benjamin, tell us what kind of business that you got, brother. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, too. So I have a digital cannabis marketplace that's focused on wellness. Okay. So a lot of words there that are buzzwords and you put them all in the same sentence. Help us understand what this marketplace does is, who it's for, all that fun stuff. So we found that about 90% of cannabis consumers, we're in California, but this probably extrapolates to most cannabis consumers. 90% have questions. They don't know what the right product is for them. They know how they want to feel. They know the outcome they're looking for but they need help finding the right product. And so what we do is we curate products based on different characteristics, usually in the wellness space, clean ingredients, properly sourced, ethical, sustainable, these kinds of things. And then we also followed up with a ton of education to help the consumer learn more about this plant, learn more about these emerging products so they can make a more informed and empowered decision about what they're gonna buy and put in their bodies. Wow. And they can buy the products right from you, or is that more of a, like you're educating and then they, and they can source it locally. So it's right from us. We, yeah, we have our own menu of products that are available all throughout California. And the idea is that through searching online for some questions, they'll find us. And through learning about the answers to their questions, we will recommend to them the right products that fit. Yeah, I liken it, obviously, to so many other industries where you're providing value, you're building authority and trust by actually helping people with some of the little things. They think it's maybe a dumb question or they don't understand or whatever it might be. We have these same questions with life. Yes, we do. We Google a bunch of crazy stuff as humans, you know what I mean? So I think that you're scooping up the things that, or at least the people that that you can genuinely help. I want to know, before we jump into your story and how this whole thing started, I want to know at this level of success... Like, why do you keep pushing? Why? What's the bigger picture for you? Is there something bigger at hand? What motivates you? I don't know how many ways I can say it, but why are you still doing this? That's a great question. And particularly right now, if folks don't know, the cannabis industry is in the trough. It's down quite a bit for a lot of different reasons. And there's a lot of people throwing in the towel. So it'd be super easy to just say, you know what? We gave it our all. We tried hard. We're going we're gonna to try something else. I've had many opportunities to many. But what keeps me going is knowing what I have to give to the community, to people out there. And the obstacles that I've faced are not a function of really my ability, 
more just a symptom of the overall industry and federal or local regulation, obviously some federal regulation like government has been the thing that's been giving us issues. So I know that's all going to get sorted. And I know that we have a big mission to help people feel good, feel empowered in the choices that they're making in terms of the products they're buying. And cannabis in terms of the legal aspect of it is just beginning. We are just barely getting started here. So there is a lot more to do, a lot more people to reach. And I am just very passionate about helping people feel good and empowered. And that's what keeps me pushing. Yeah, I love that. Obviously, there's a couple of different angles there of not only just helping people, right? Like I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that get to the place where, hey, like it's part of my design where I want to help more than just myself, right? And so I definitely hear that coming out in you. But I also hear too, like that there's like this, there's this struggle, like this almost like, man, we got to push through this. Like you're an inventor almost mind where it's like you're ahead of the curve. You see it coming. You see the bigger picture down the road. But right now, it's not as easy. Does that fuel you? Almost like a reverse, ah, it's hard. So it, it like it fuels me more. Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, I'm not really one to give up unless I'm like choked out or something and I got to tap out. <laughs> You're but stubborn. Is that what I... I'm determined. I'm determined. I mean, you know, I think stubborn might be like if I keep trying the same thing and it's not working. But yeah, great depiction there. Yep. But being determined is, okay, this path isn't going to work. Let me cut a new path. Let me pivot. And that's what we've had to do in a lot of ways. And what's encouraging is that as the industry in California is really hurting and a lot of people are trying to figure out how to make this whole thing work, whether you're a product brand or you're a retailer, wherever you are in the supply chain, everyone's trying to figure this out. And we've recently kind of rejiggered our model, which I'm happy to go into in a little bit, but it's reduced tons of overhead for us so we can stay in the game longer. And it's also shifted our focus to the most valuable part of the, of the funnel. And when we share this with other brands that we're working with, they get it. And they're so encouraged by our approach and they see that it's different from how they're usually interacting with retailers, that they're very encouraged by what we're doing. And so that just gives us more confidence knowing that we're on the right path. People believe in it. They're signing up and, and it's, we're doing what we set out to do. Yeah, a hundred percent. I love, it's really, like you said, perseverance, persistence, commitment, staying the course, all of those very positive things that all business owners have to do. And I think that the guy listening today who hasn't hit the seven figure mark, there might be some pivots. And I don't mean changing of business product or model, although those could be, it just means a pivot in tactic, a pivot in, okay, this was once working, but now it's not, what do we have to do? And so it's very from that angle, you have to be open-minded. You got to be able to like maneuver. At least that's the benefit of what I'm hearing while staying the course. Like you're on the course, we're not leaving the course, but we're pivoting inside to be able to reach what we need to reach when we need to reach it. Would you like to add anything to that? No, I just think it's important starting out, surveying the field and kind of understanding or identifying where's the value. In the cannabis industry, a lot of people, there's a lot of people doing the same thing and trying to be independent about it. And when you look at it, objectively, a lot of these positions, there's not a lot of value because there's going to be consolidation in terms of like cultivators, maybe there's going to be consolidation among cultivators, consolidation among manufacturers or distributors. So where's the value? And with any business, I think it's important to figure that out. We, for flower market, our business, we found out that the value is at the top of the funnel where the consumer begins their journey through customer acquisition, demand generation, 
And then the most important thing is following up with retention. I think a lot of people are chasing top line revenue, but what does it cost to get you there? And with retention, that's how you shift to profitability. It lowers your CAC and increases your LTV. So these are the sort of metrics that we're paying attention to and not being distracted by what everyone else is doing in the industry and staying the course through our vision. And eventually people will catch up and they're starting to catch up and they understand that. So flower market's definitely doing, we've pivoted and we're doing the right thing. I love that. It's even more so incredible when the market says they love it too. It's not just another business guy going, Hey, good idea. But when you get the results, man, it feels good. Let's talk about your journey. Let's reverse in time a little bit here. Was this the first business? Was there one before? Did you have a little entrepreneur blood in you when you were a kid? Like, what's the story? <laughs> yeah, the story, I'll admit, probably my first entrepreneurial avenue was maybe in middle school selling burn CDs, <laughs> making mixtapes and selling burn CDs. Yeah. And then I was drawn to cannabis at a young age. And I understood that in order to a fun way or a good way to reduce the cost for me <clears throat> to purchase cannabis would be buying in larger amounts and selling it to my friends. And the leftover profit would be either money or extra cannabis for me personally. So that's how that started. But out of college, I studied journalism and I actually became a photojournalist. And I was working for small newspapers, working my way up with a trajectory to a national paper. And in that sense, I was working for someone else, of course, but every single day was like, a mini entrepreneurial journey, meaning that I would walk right. into the office and more often than not, my editor would say, we don't have anything for the front page, go out and find a story. So I would have to go out there and find something of value, yeah. interesting, talk to people, photograph them like strangers. Yeah. I would just be driving around in rural Oregon or rural South Dakota and making it happen, right? Like just <laughs> making it happen. And yeah. editors don't care how hard it is or how far you had to drive. They want you to come back with results. Right. And so that really taught me about just getting it done. What's the mission? We're going to do whatever it takes to get it done. Yeah. From there, I made my way back to Los Angeles where I'm from working for NPR and I had a contract there. The contract expired. They decided not to renew it. I had a 10 year high school reunion, like a month after that. <laughs> And I ran into someone who started their own cannabis delivery in San Diego. And he told me how well he was doing. This was 2015. And I just couldn't believe the numbers that he was doing. And it just, I just had this feeling inside me that for six years as a journalist, I was covering all these, a variety of people, but a lot of business people and telling their story. And I just thought to myself, why can't I do that for me? Yeah. Like, what about my life and my family? And for me, like, I don't just want to be the storyteller of these other people. I want to tell my own story. Right. And so with the cannabis delivery, it just felt like a great way to start that process. It was low barrier to entry. I had someone I could learn from. And it was also very similar to the journalism in the sense that what I found is it was all about listening, listening to the person across from me, to the customer, to the patient, and they would tell me what they need. And that would inform so, from, so that's how it started. It was my just me for a year and a half driving all over Los Angeles, 18 hours a day, nonstop. I don't know how I didn't get sick every single day for a year and a half until I could hire one driver. And then I could hire one dispatcher and then two drivers and then three. And it just slowly built like that. Yeah. I never had investment. It was all reinvested from the business. And I, it was slow, methodical growth. But 
it was always sustainable, always profitable. And so that's how it started. I, dude, congratulations, number one. But I think obviously I'm interviewing you here today. So as I'm hearing you talk about interviewing other entrepreneurs and what a full circle that it must feel for you to have someone, not just anybody, but someone who's got a, I like to think of myself with a pretty nice track record, <laughs> who's interviewing very successful entrepreneurs, reach out and say, hey, let's have you on the show. So the reality here, I think for you is obviously you're not done at all. You're just no. getting started. The reality is hope, man. Like the guy listening today is you just a few years ago going, man, why not me? Why can't I have yeah. it? Why can't not have it for me, my family? Yeah. Yeah. Hope is an interesting word. It's important to, to be positive and to know that like you have something and you got to keep going when it's hard. Yeah. But what I've found for me personally, there's a difference. There, there's this fine line with hope because if you just are holding on to hope and things aren't going your way and you're still holding on to hope. I don't know that it's going to turn around without some action. That's the thing is like knowing that you're going to have to take action if you want a result. People aren't just going to come to you and hand it out to you. You're going to have to sit down and say, okay, is this working or not? No, I'm going to have to do something. It's not just going to work for me. And so that's, that's been a big piece for me. I've seen a lot of people just hold and hope and think that something's going to happen, but it comes down to your own action. You're yeah. limited by your yourself and your own self-talk. And if you sure. can be positive and a lot of the adversity I've felt, and we'll probably get into this a little bit later, has just been an opportunity for actually where I'm supposed to go. And so that has been a way that I approach adversity with an open heart and just saying, okay, this is happening for a reason. What's the reason? What's the lesson? And then let's push it forward. Uh, yeah, you're 100% right. I hope the listeners paying close attention and taking good notes because you're spitting fire. Let's go into good decision. Your first kind of transition here to, okay, that's how you got started. But in the first couple of years, you've already hinted at a couple of good decisions that you made, but I want you to give like a full-blown answer. Something that you can look back at is like, boom, I'm so glad I did this. What was that? Gosh, I think honestly, within the cannabis space, the best decision I did was recognize where my passion is and what I'm really good at and focus on that within the industry. And also just because of the plan itself, it's very diverse. There's a lot you can do. There's a lot of people that went for vertical integration, growing, manufacturing, distributing, selling the product. And it, in the early days before legalization, I was doing that too. I had the delivery. I actually had a little cultivation. I was learning how to grow, which brought me really much closer to the plant. And sure. I understood the biology of it and how it grows and quality standards and all these things that I now teach to other people that right. was valuable. It completely took me away from my core business, which was the delivery. And so it just killed me because I was up super late at night, had to wake up, had to do all this stuff. So the biggest decision I'd say was just like recognizing where I see the trend going, not necessarily where it is today, but where it's going to be tomorrow and just focusing on that. And in alignment with what you were good at or what your core main business was, it sounds like, right? Yeah, exactly. And so how that looks today, for example, is human capital is expensive. And when you're in an uncertain environment with really high barriers to entry and high costs of business, you want to reduce your overhead as much as possible. So what we did with the delivery is we actually changed the model a little bit. We don't have any drivers anymore. We don't hold any inventory anymore. Two things that just you have to pay for whether you're making deliveries or not. So we changed that. And now we've partnered with 
a one of the largest deliveries in the state and we're built our website on top of their infrastructure so they can handle everything that happens after the sale on our website and we can focus on what we're best at which is right. education storytelling top of the demand funnel. generation retention top of the funnel and for us, it's also the most fun because we're creative. We're writing stories, we're shooting videos, we're communicating with the consumer. And the consumer is the most important part of this value chain here. And if they're not buying or if they're not interested, there's nothing to sell. And it backs up the rest of the supply chain. So we're just focusing on them. We're owning the relationship with the consumer. And as we grow, we get more consumer data, more insights that inform our digital product. And that, that is where we find the value. That's where we find the most fun for us. And we basically outsourced everything downstream. Yeah. I obviously just such a simple move, but so profound. It's obviously giving you life. You can tell as soon as you, as soon as you like started talking about that, your whole demeanor changed. You're just like, this is where we live, bro. This is like all the energy that we get to be and creative and storytelling, all of that. You can totally tell like you, you live there and you love it. I want to flip the coin. I want you to tell me about that move or that decision that you made where it didn't turn out so hot. Yes. I was going against what I just told you today. So basically a quick little background, pre-2018, it was all medical, much easier to operate all this stuff. Legalization happened and every city had the autonomy to allow or disallow cannabis in their city. So it became this mad dash to find the city that's welcoming to the cannabis industry. And I was based in LA and LA was just a horrible mess with their licensing and they did not get it done. So there's this period where I had to close my business from the beginning of 2018 to about April of 2019. And in between that time, I was trying to figure out where can I land? I couldn't get a license on my own, even though I tried. So who can I partner with? And so the decision that I made that turned out to not be the best one was partnering with the wrong people, yeah. hitching my trailer to their car, right. towing my boat to theirs. And basically what that did was it lost, I lost my autonomy. I had to rely on them. I had to ask them for things. Right. And what happened is they started to see my success. And they wanted that. They didn't want me to be successful on my own and not even on my own. I offered them partnership in what I was doing, but they just couldn't see that I came into their operating environment in a different city and immediately was pretty successful. And they had been struggling and figuring this out. And so they tried to take me down and also their own business practices were very sloppy and the local government took them down and I had to go down with them because I was attached to them. Yeah. Chasing this thing and chasing this old model of like owning the drivers, owning the, the inventory, all this stuff led me right. to have to close more than once, actually, like two or three times wow. while I was bouncing around between these partners until I finally did get my own license. Yeah. But even once I got my own license, the costs were so high with insurance and rents and all this stuff, I was only able to operate for a little over a year before I saw the writing on the wall, before all these model. other competitors came and were racing to the bottom on price. And I just had to sit back and say, you know what? This isn't working anymore. We have to 
figure out something new. And that's how we took a step back to take a couple of steps forward. Thank you for the backdrop, because now I more understand, probably not the whole perspective yet, but I more understand what how you corrected me on stubborn versus just persistent yet. Because that, man, everything you just said, yeah, maybe mistakes in partnership. Yeah, maybe mistakes in moving things around or whatnot. But the fact that you had to open, close, open, close, change, pivot, this isn't working, try something new. It's exactly the quote unquote overnight success that everybody sees, right? Like they saw you flip the switch and come on, but then, but you've got this track record of going, I tried that, I tried that, I tried that. All this stuff didn't work. And yeah, last night I became successful, but it wasn't just last night. It was this long history. So just appreciate you sharing that because it gives us really a perspective of not how difficult it is, but just the history that you have to have of persistence until the thing breaks. Or in your case, it works. <laughs> yeah. And the confidence in knowing that you have something that works because every yeah. time I opened and closed, I got back up to a seven figure business every time starting from Jeez. zero, like using my credit cards to pay for stuff. We got a little bit of investment in the beginning of 2018, but that all went to trying to get a license in Los Angeles. So that was basically burned up. I knew that I had something there, but I just had to tease out the part that was the value and get rid of the rest. And that's where we're at today. Yeah. I, everything that you just said in that last sentence culminates everything super. We'll have to quote that one and put that in the show notes for you. Nice. Let's switch gears here just a little bit. I want to, we've been talking about good and bad decisions. Tell me about process. Is there are there steps that you take mentally or is there a process that you follow now in order to try to make good decisions? Definitely. Yes. The biggest thing is making sure that when I'm thinking of a subject with the goal of making a decision that I'm in a very neutral, calm space mentally. I don't want to be stressed out about something unrelated to what I'm thinking about. I want to make sure that I can approach it like neutral, objective as possible. Yeah. So that's a big one, not making an emotional decision, just being like pretty logical about it. And then also with my team now, because I was pretty much on my own for the last seven years, but now I have a bit of a team, which I'm very happy with. So discussions, we debate things up right. and down, left and right all day long. And it's really good to have a team of the, a mixed team, like people that will dissent all the time, or you don't just want people to just agree with you all the time, right? You yeah. create this little bubble. So it's being willing to put something forward and be challenged and defend it. And so for yeah. us, our process is if it's defensible, if you can sit there and argue your position and your point and why you think this is the move forward, it's worth trying at least. Yeah. And yeah. that's the other piece is we'll try things. We'll try little things here and there without fully committing. We want to see proof of concept first, yeah. product market fit, all these little tests. Then once we see it, we optimize and then we invest yeah, and push right. it out. This is just obviously a great perspective and approach here. I appreciate you bringing it up. It's the same thing that we do inside of obviously Gathering the Kings community where it's strategically, I want to put people around me that not only think different, but come from different industries, different backgrounds, different histories. It sounds like you've created that even in your team where they can challenge you, come to the table with different things. You want to speak on anything else beyond that on that one point? No, I just think that, I just think it's really important to have opposing opinions and perspectives around you. Yeah. Uh, so I true. feel like today with social media and these algorithms and this woke culture and everything, it's like they're not creating any room for real debate and discussion. Everything's right. got to be the same and okay. Feed you more of what you already like. Yeah. Feed you more of what you already like. So but how are you ever going to discover something new? So true. Usually like to break through into something new, you got to destroy something. You got to break something down to then 
grow. And that's just the laws of nature here. And so that's, we really, we really encourage that. And I, and one thing I will say, I learned from a partner, my partner, he comes from Wall Street and he saw the algorithms taking over the trading world. So he left. But one thing he instilled in me, how he was trained is that in these discussions, what you're challenging is not you, Chaz, or me, Benjamin. We're challenging the idea that got put out into the world into the air between us, looking at the idea as its own independent thing and challenging that, not yeah. the person that it came from. And when you can have that perspective in a group setting or a debate setting, it's yeah. much easier to just not be triggered, leave your ego at the door and understand we're both here to dissect this idea and figure out the best answer together. And that yeah. just really helps with these discussions. So good. So clear. You're right. You take it or leave it, right? Like this idea is either going to work. It's not. Even if we try to do it, it may still not work. None of that's a reflection of the mind that it came from necessarily. Although right. we like taking credit for the ones that work, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we do. <laughs> we certainly do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to switch over to the speed round here. I want to know inside this business, if you could only pick one thing to track forever and ever, what would it be? Retention. Okay. And why does that mean so much to you? I know you kind of talked about it a little earlier, but why? Yeah, retention is important because that means that the people that you paid so hard to attract and bring into your business, you've done enough to make them come back. And so that says they didn't just try you out for the promo or what have you, but they want to be here. They want to come back. And for us, mm -hmm. that's the name of the game because it is so expensive to acquire consumers online. And especially for cannabis, we cannot access social media. We right. can't run ads on Instagram or any of this stuff. So we have to look at other avenues. And there's a lot of investment there. And we're very particular about how we invest that money. But we know that if we can retain the person, even if it costs maybe on the higher end, that's going to be a higher value customer for us. They're going to spend more. They're going to stay there longer. They're going to tell their friends. And you just get more out of that. And particularly in the cannabis industry, everyone is chasing the consumer so much, but no one knows how to retain them. And so they chase them by offering discounts all the time. They chase them by spending endless amounts of money on these other lead generation platforms like weed maps that are always increasing your spend. It's not sustainable. And so we've seen all that. And we believe that the path to sustainability is retention through value proposition beyond just the cheapest product in town. So we offer more than that. And, uh, and that's important to us. Yeah, I think that you just laid down a ton of value. So I think if anyone's paying close attention, we could probably do a whole show just on that. But they got some nuggets from you, at least. What book, Benjamin, would you recommend for a six-figure business owner? Oh, the Ray Dalio book, Principles. It's just such a classic. Translates into a lot of different industries. Yeah, he's a genius. And yeah. um, try to read one of his books and not stumble around for a few days. <laughs> yeah. And try to imagine that things are going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> what do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? I think it's so important. Again, like we can't live in this echo chamber. We got to see what's out there. We need to know what are other people seeing in the world right. and in your market? Like where's their head? And beyond that, for us, one of the other most valuable things that we're doing are partnerships with other brands, other companies that are not in the cannabis space but right. are talking to the same type of consumer, wellness exactly. consumers in our case. Right. And we can leverage their following to bring them to flower market and vice versa. So networking, masterminding, 
it's just being a social human being at the end of the day. It's meeting new people. It's being open to other people and their perspectives. And that's, I think, at the core of who we are as people. So yeah. why not do that intentionally in a business setting, which then can bring you not just social intellectual value, but also business value and help make some money together with other people. Yeah, it's so true. You've hit on multiple angles there. It's about opening yourself up, being open-minded, which ties back into some of the other things you were just talking about just a few minutes ago. It's all in the same same strand of mindset. I just got finished. I reread Thinking Grow Rich every September. Mm. And one of the one of the points that that book makes several different ways, but is to be open-minded or to be closed-minded. And basically how the closed-minded person has no hope. And I think it even says, there's no hope for you. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just appreciate that perspective and it being reiterated in another industry in another part of the country, because it's true. Last question for you, Benjamin. Are you ready? I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. I'm curious of your answer. I'm I'm ready to deliver it. I don't know if I'm ready for your answer. If you could whisper in the younger Benjamin's ear, what would you say? I would say that... Success is not going to happen in the timeline that you think it will, but be patient because it's going to happen. It will, but just be patient. And it's, it's said often, but it's so true is you have to learn to enjoy the process. You have to, I'm guilty of just, okay, if I suffer, then the payoff will make up for it. But I've come to learn. It's not necessarily required that you have to suffer. You can accept that you're not where you want to be. You can accept that there's more work to do, but there's a little bit of a joy in that. And there's other things going on in life to bring you joy, whether it's your relationships, whether it's your personal relationship with yourself, just going on a walk somewhere in nature. This planet is amazing and it is beautiful. And I think just, we got to remember that. Like we're all special here. We're here to do something. It's never easy. This world took billions of years to be here. Nothing happens quickly. So yeah. I would tell myself, just be patient. You'll get there. And also, if you were to get there today, you probably wouldn't be ready. It's the journey. It's the experience that allows you to be ready once the opportunity arrives. Because if you're not ready, then you're going to squander it and you're back to square one. So. Yeah, so many good nuggets there. It reminds me when I'm hunting elk in the fall and in the mountains and you climb up some steep side of a mountain and you get up and oh, to what you think is the top and you realize it's definitely not the top. <laughs> it's a false, it's a false top. And you're looking up going, oh my goodness, there's a, I can hear the elk up there and I know what it just took. And there's a little bit of this overwhelm for a second, but if you just, before you take off trajectory up again, you look back behind you. You look down and you take in the moment of, I made it this far and this is beautiful and the scenery and the smell of the trees and all the things that you get to experience there that you didn't get down below, even though you still got more to go. It's this moment of gratitude, appreciation. You're not satisfied. You're not where you want to go yet, but man, there's a place of peace there. Like you were saying. So I just so appreciate that. Yeah. Would you like to add anything to that? No, I just think it's important, like with that analogy, I've never hunted elk before. I've eaten elk and it's delicious. When I was in Oregon, I ate a lot of elk. But yeah, in that analogy, it's like you you made it up at the mountain. And maybe even what your story made me think of is maybe even you get that far and you can't even find an elk. And you might think, what's wrong with me? I'm not in the right place. I'm not a good hunter, whatever. Well, maybe there's a mountain lion around. Like maybe there's some other thing going on that has nothing to do with you. But look where you made it. You made it up this mountain. You did that. 
And so come back tomorrow and maybe the elk will be there. You just got to keep coming back the next day. Oh, dude. So good. I haven't had that perspective, but you're so right. Even archery hunting, bro. That's where we don't use the rifle too often, but you don't go hunt elk with a, a stick and a bow. <laughs> yeah. If you don't, if you can't appreciate the mountain or coming back the next day, no success, quote unquote, but it's a success was what we had. It was the view. It was the camaraderie with who you're hunting with. It's the lessons that we learned, the, the goods, the bads, the uglies. Thank you for that. Thank you for closing the loop on that analogy. That's so good. I'm going to, I'm basically, that's now adopted into my story. So thank you. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Sean. <laughs> Benjamin, how can the listener connect with you, whether they want to learn more about your marketplace or whether they want to just connect with you as an entrepreneur, where can they find you? Thanks. Yeah. So Flower Market is online, flowermarket.delivery. That's our little different URL. And you can connect with us there. Hello at Flower Market Delivery is our email. We're on Instagram as well. And uh, yeah, if you want to reach me, just email us at hello at flowermarket.delivery. You can attention Benjamin, myself, and I respond to every single email. And I'd be happy to talk to anyone, you know, who's curious about my journey, who's curious about our business specifically. I'm super open to receive and give. Good stuff, man. I appreciate that. I know the listeners will as well. An open mind, right? You're an open mind to be able to grow and also pour out, which I think is a huge reason that both of us have been so successful is that it's not just always about getting, but it's about willing to uh, willing to serve others. Appreciate you. Blessings on your business, the ups and downs, your team, everything. We so appreciate you being here. Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you, Chaz. It was a pleasure. Thank you for the invite.